Welcome back to another evening of Sky Shower. I am Noah. And I'm Jesse. All right, this is episode 122. Our scotch this evening is Cardew 2021, 21. 14-year special release. Uh, we After that, we'll go into our shout-outs and get-togethers, followed by a restaurant review of Sierra Restaurant. And is it Lone Tree? Lone Tree. And Lone Tree. And then our Smarter Challenge is uh, a review of Ner- uh, well, of Ratched, Ratched uh, which is based on the uh, one who flew over the cuckoo's nest, Nurse uh, Mildred Ratched. And uh, from uh, so before we jump in here, just real quickly, thank you to all of our listeners on all of our many uh, podcast platforms. Thank you to our viewers on YouTube and in Rumble, all the new subscribers. We do greatly appreciate you. Uh, also, please, uh, we are trying to reach 1,000 subscribers so we can uh, open up some new features on YouTube. So please hit that subscribe d- uh, button down below and uh, also hit that like button and, and leave some uh, some uh, comments in the comment field. We'd love to hear some feedback from all of you. Scotch review. So this week's single malt scotch, the Cardew 2021 special release, 14 year single malt scotch from Speyside. And we've had one Cardew previously, the Cardew 12, I believe it was, which was pretty tasty, short little stout box. Oh, and and also the Cardew Gold Reserve Game of Thrones. So two Cardews previously. Um, And from what I remember, they were both pretty good. Not uh, for a distillery, not super well known. They were not something that really let us down. We're going to find out about today's scotch, though, with this special release. Uh, And it is said here that it is a lush and floral scotch blooming with honeyed layers. A little bit quickly about the Cardew Distillery. Uh, The distillery was established in 1824 by John Cumming, who was, of course, a whiskey. That's right. Smuggler. (laughs) Distillery was sited up on a Manach Hill. Uh, above the river Spey due to the peat softening the water. Distillery started as a, a farm distillery working on a seasonal basis after the harvest had been gathered. Distillery was mainly run by Helen Cumming, his wife, who used to sell bottles of whiskey to passersby through the window on the farmhouse. Uh, due to the hill uh, and the farm distillery was on, Helen could see the police coming and would throw flour on herself and say that she'd been baking to disguise the smell. She would then offer them tea and fly a flag outside so that other nearby distilleries could see and take prompt action to prepare for the police coming their way. In 1885, the distillery was rebuilt on a new piece of land, but continued to stay in the hands of the Cummings family, at this point being run by Elizabeth Cumming, the daughter-in-law of John and Helen Cumming. The stills from the old distillery building were sold to William Grant, who set up the Glenfiddich Distillery, another great distillery. Uh, the new building and stills meant that Cardew could produce triple the amount of whiskey it previously produced. These higher production levels led to Johnny Walker's and Sons buying much of Cardew's output to put into their increasingly popular blend. 
Id Whiskey. In 1893, Elizabeth Cummings sold the distillery to Johnny Walker and Sons on the condition that the Cummings family could continue the day-to-day running of the distillery. Cardew Distillery kept working under these conditions until the onset of the Second World War, when wartime restrictions meant that it was harder to use barley for distilling purposes. In 1960, the still house, mash house, ton room were rebuilt, and in 1970, steam coils were introduced to heat the stills, and the number of stills was increased to six. A spring water from Manachil started to be mixed with water from the local Lynn to supply the increased production of the distillery. And with that, uh, really one of the big pieces about this particular scotch is Cardew has continued to make single malt scotches. They are, as is normal for them, using refilled American oak casks for the first part of the maturation process of this Cardew 14 limited edition. And then it is finished in red wine casks to give it that uh, red floral and fruity flavors. Red, red wine. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Red, red wine make me feel so, so fine. fine. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be 40, right? Ah, uh, yes, yes. Try humming that. <clears throat> I sucked at it. Uh, I couldn't do it. It no. was once a Trivial Pursuit game. I had to hum that song and have someone guess it because you couldn't say the words, and they were all just like, no, that was not red, red wine. <laughs> <laughs> I was murdering a tune. That's what they told me. All right. Well, Cardew does have uh, four different expressions for tours. Uh, they have the Cardew, uh, the Cardew flavor journey. Uh, here's this is your basic uh, tour uh, where you get to go through a little bit of the history. Um, it's a uh, 1.5 hours, so an hour and a half, uh, and the price is 24, approximately 24 USD. Compared to 19 great British pounds. The next one is like if you look this they, the way they uh, call this next one is a little bit more of like if you like to have a challenge and then compare and contrast basically uh, your taste buds compared to other people who are tasting it. Then then this next next tour is for you. It's called Guess Do I guess D H U. I probably butchered that. Um, and it's a tasting challenge. This is also uh, 1.5 hours. Uh, long and uh, its approximate price is $27 or 22 uh, Great British Pounds. The next one is the one I have started here, which is called the Cardew Cask Experience. Now, this one right here allows you to take the tour, but you also get the uh, compare six whiskeys directly from their specialty uh, casks. And uh, this is also uh, an hour and a half long. And it costs 76 USD approximately and uh, 60 Great British Pounds. And then the last one's what's called the Cardew Collection Tour. Now, this one's more of like a flavor of expressions. Um, you get to try some of their, uh, some bottles of that, or some jams from their collection series here. And it's only 34 USD approximately and 27 Great British Pounds. And this is also one and a half hours long as well. Well, with this Cardew, uh, we are talking about a cask strength single malt scotch at 55.5 ABV. And uh, the Cardew um, derives from Scotch Gaelic Carn Dub, meaning black 
rock. Uh, we're going to see about that. I don't know that I want to be sucking on some black rock. But we will go where we need to go with this one. Uh, without further ado, we've got the tin. It is a pretty nice looking tin in particular. I love these colors. Um, the colors and what they've done with a lot of these special releases from Diageo. Great job. The Cardew is no different. As we move on here, uh, we'll pull out the bottle. And it is a fair skin scotch, if you will. Very light in color. But again, good looking bottle, good looking label. And uh, I am ready to delve in. So am I. But before we uh, dive into this right here, or delve into it. Uh, Honestly, do you really think like throwing flour on you is gonna hide this no no. alcohol? Hell no! Like next time you get pulled over for drinking and driving, <laughs> not that I encourage anyone to drink and drive, but if you were to do that, throw some flour on you and see how that works. Yeah. I doubt it's gonna work at all. <laughs> They're gonna be like, "Are you high on something, boy?" <laughs> <laughs> nope, just been baking. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> but that is what this little symbol on the bottles on the boxes of each and every one we've had is is uh mrs cummings flying the flags alerting the other distilleries in the area uh, that the russians are coming so to speak <laughs> no i agree with you I, that isn't gonna work flower i mean how bad does your flower smell yeah i mean <laughs> does she always have like something in the oven but even even she did like that's got to be some pretty potent stuff that she's cooking there. Yeah, I'd be like, hey, can you show me what this loaf looks like? Like, show me this bread. Uh. And it's pretty much been, uh, I think you mentioned this earlier, and I was probably like reading something and then quite here, but if I recall from like one of our previous episodes, uh, this was like a pretty much a distillery ran by, uh, by women, right? That's right. Um, I did not say that earlier today. I mentioned his uh, daughter, the daughter-in-law, Elizabeth Cummings, ran it after the original parents moved on. And uh, the whole flag thing, it just kind of might, since we're like sitting right around July 4th here, kind of reminded me of Paul Revere. The British are coming. The British are coming. Yeah, and right. interestingly enough, that is literally who they would have been worried about is the British as part of that uh, colonized <laughs> chunk of the world was. So, all right, sorry, I, I, I had no. to sidetrack us there for a little bit. It, it's good. It's all relevant and 100% accurate. But yeah, I agree. It's like really just no flower. No, no, officer, I didn't go to Egypt. That's not cocaine. Like what? <laughs> All right, without further ado, uh, we will pull this foil off the top. Diageo, as mentioned previously, has done a nice job with their special releases. Uh, typically does a great job with the foil, the packaging, uh, the presentation all around. Wooden topper. Um, and, man, it is a fair colored scotch here don't let that fair color mislead you don't forget that's 55.5% ABV 
these bottles were going for right around the $140, $150 mark when first released in 2021. I don't know if they're still available, um, nor if they would be worth it, but we're about to find out. Yeah, I can't wait to try this one out. All right. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Warp speed time. Apple. Holy apple. Uh, the Cardu 14-year uh, 2021 special release. Um, first off, I'm going to talk about the presentation. I love the canister, uh, the reds and uh, greens, and I'm guessing, is that orange? Yes. I can't, okay, orange. I actually really dig the canister, and... Uh, and the labeling kind of matches the canister, so I thought that was really nice. I like how the labeling labeling is. It's a real wood cork topper there, or topper, right? Was the cork pressed or not pressed? I can't remember what you said there. Cork is pressed. Pressed, okay. So typically, um, I, I save a five for the most intricate type of, like, canisters. And if I could give a 4.5, I would give this a 4.5. But since uh, I, I can't, since I, I'm going to hold true to myself here, it is actually I'm not going to hold true to myself. I'm going to give it a five out of five. <laughs> I should give it four out of five to hold true to myself, but uh, I'm giving it a five out of five because I really do dig the canister. I really like the coloring and it all that stands stuff. Stands out. It does. It really does. Uh, now for the color, um, I put here is a uh, where did I put it at? Uh, I put it as a light golden color, which kind of reminds me of like a, almost like freshly squeezed apple juice. Uh, and I think it's almost kind of like, I think it makes sense here when, when we start talking about the flavor profile of this particular scotch. Um, but I like it. It's like looks nice and fresh. And, um, uh, and so I, I gave it four out of five here. Now, as far as the aroma, I put crisp green apples because that was like the, one of the very first things I, I smelled on it. And I didn't even like put my nose up to it yet. It was like sitting right in front of me. And I could just get the whiff, uh, you know, some the whiffs of, uh, or quaff, I don't want to say quaffs. Is that the quaffs of, uh, of, uh, of green apple, fresh green apple uh, uh, with some lemon zest? And I also got like some biscuits with sweet barley, uh, mild uh, oak, and vanilla, um, which I thought was really great. I really like this. And this is like the total win for me here. Um, I gave it 27 out of 30 points. I really did like, I really did, I really dug the, uh, the, the aroma of this particular scotch. Um, had that nice, sweet summertime um fruit type of like uh aroma to it which i really enjoyed the palette here i put it was honeyed with candied apple creamy vanilla um and that the body was um mild to medium and the front and mid palette and usually i typically like to have like a well-balanced scotch i don't like having like any huge spikes anywhere uh but here um there was a spike when it came to the finish and they the spike hits you with 
uh, with cinnamon and white pepper, but then it finishes up with a nice green apple flavor at the very end to round it off. And so the finish is what I didn't quite like a lot here. That was my, my lowest points because, once again, I like well-balanced. I don't like any like spikes really anywhere in my f- flavor profile. So I gave that 25 out of 30 for the finish. The palette, I also gave it 27 out of 30 for a total of 88 points. All right. Would I take this to a black tie affair? Yeah, I would. I think it's uh, stylish. I think it would be a uh, conversational starter. Um, so, yeah, I definitely would take it to a black tie affair. Uh, would I take it to game night? Uh, this is a borderline on game night here. <laughs> I think it depends on who I'm having game night with. If it's people who enjoy scotch, then yes. If it's um, people who don't really have a, an affinity towards scotch, I don't know if I would really want to waste this on them. Uh, is it something I put on my shelf or hold on to my shelf? Yes, I definitely would and share it with like uh, a good friend or uh, or to have a decent uh, dram every now and again. Overall, you gave an 88 for the Scarlet Blossoms of Black Rock. Uh, so for myself, presentation, I agree. This presentation's amazing. Um, and I don't know why, but it's only getting a four for me. Um, but I do love it. It is along all of those lines that Diageo has done with the Obin 10 and many others. Um, this just looks like a painting you'd want on your wall almost. It is so well done. But four out of five for me, um, for the mix between the tin and the bottle color light. Absolutely. It's that, uh, almost like platinum blonde light straw. Um, I love the color. I think it's great. Five out of five for color for me. Part of me is curious how they got it and kept it so light after finishing it in red wine casks. Um, The nose, much like yourself, the nose was my win as well. The high point keeper. Fresh, light, fruity. Um, The fruits being white peach, white grapes and green apple boom um a little bit of orange zest in there is what i detected and then that uh mostly sweet smell of meadow flowers where it's not super strong but you get a little bit of that perfumey scent uh so on the nose myself 28 as well palette uh, for me, man, the palette was pretty amazing. The moment it touches my tongue, it is soft and it coats it. And it's this creamy, smooth, yet textured feeling um, that leads immediately into green apple and a little bit of oak. Um, and that middle palette there for me was a 27. The finish, much like yourself, was my most needed improvement score. Um, for me, the finish is long. It is uh, creamy sweet. But it's also clean. It's got that clean flavor. Um, and I think that's coming from the cinnamon and the lingering perfume and the final burst at the finish of that green apple 
And then as that finally starts to fade away, and it is a long finish between the cinnamon and that green apple, it goes to a little bit of that uh, wine cask flavor where it's bringing back in some of the fruit but you still get the oak. Uh, the finish for me, a 26 overall total for me, a 90. Would I take it to a black tie event? Absolutely. I'm right there with you. Am I taking it to game night with two supermodels playing Twister? Absolutely. <laughs> um, does it have a place on the shelf? This is such a unique scotch to me right now. It is one that I wish, you know, scotch didn't have a shelf life because it's one of those things you'd save. And when you had visitors three, four times a year over the course of half a dozen years, you'd slowly sample it and compare it to their favorite scotch. Not to try to prove that it's a better scotch, but just to show them, hey, you know, look how much different this is than the Ardbeg 10 or the Lagavulin 16 or a Kleinleach, Dalwini. Uh, how about a Glenmorangie? There's actually a few times in here with this Cardu where I'm like, you've kind of got that forest flavor in there that the Glenmorangie, a tale of forest did, but it wasn't quite eucalyptus or mint. So we got a, an 88 and a 90, so... Uh, average score, 89. That's right. <laughs> easy, 89. Easy B, math there. B plus. All right. So, yeah, definitely if you can find it, still give it a shot. Uh, probably won't be around the 130 mark or whatever it was before. Probably much higher now since it's uh, limited release. It's time for our shout outs. Oh, man, my uh, shout-out really just goes to the Supreme Court for taking a solid stance on uh, their affirmative action ruling. And I think that uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that continues to play out in the future. Um, and not that there's anything wrong with programs to build diversity, but as has been proven by... Uh, Amazon and some of these others that they, they were given bonuses to start someone for a certain diversity versus uh, the best person for the position. I think that it's a, it's the right thing to do. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's only for universities. Though. It's not a blanket ruling, correct? It is just for universities at this point, but it's opening the door to so much more. Um. I don't have a shout out this week per se, but if I was to give one, uh, we could give a uh, standard shout out to Verstappen for winning the Austrian uh, <laughs> Grand Prix uh, in F1 this past weekend. And then also to go along with your uh, Supreme Court, they also did another ruling uh, in favor of if you're more of a constitutionalist or conservative having to do with uh, those who uh, business owners have the right uh, to refuse to do uh, service for gay couples or lesbian couples or whatever. So there's this one web, I guess uh, what went to the Supreme Court was uh, is actually a Colorado lady who uh, builds websites. And, and because of religious reasons, she did not want to uh, build a website for, a, I believe it was a lesbian couple. And so... It went all the way up to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court said that uh, she has a right to refuse business and not have to build uh, a website for this couple. So uh, I think that was another another win for 
for you know for you know i guess if we live in a free society you and you own a business you should be able to say who you want to do business with or not so shout out to the supreme court for for those kind of rulings that is true uh any get-togethers for you oh uh my get-together american airlines and all airlines like get together just figure it out i know it's going to be hard but it shouldn't have come to this point and gotten this bad it's not just the airlines i understand the government's involved with flight control um they need to do their part as well but it's definitely a get it together because once again this lack of action has led to a loss of profit and Man, you don't care where the stock's going, coming or going if you already know you've lost profit um, as a shareholder. So on the same lines uh, for airliners, uh, United, their CEO announced that they are going to do, uh, going forward, they're going to do diversity hires for their pilots. Now, if anybody was paying attention to the whole like submarine uh, thing that like uh, or the submersive, what do you want to call it? They uh, they didn't hire the most qualified sub uh, pilot captain, captain. Uh, and because it was because the guy was like a white a white male who's fifty years old and wasn't inspiring, so they hired they did a diversity hire that obviously did not work out so well for them. And so now you have United Airlines saying that they're not that they're going to go for diversity hires. Which makes you wonder, do you really want to fly United if they're not hiring the most experienced pilots? We're just the best pilot for the job. Again, like, where is safety? When does safety come into play? And then if there is a crash, like, there should be lawsuits. You didn't hire the best pilot possible? Like, yeah, there's a problem with that. I agree, but I don't fly much, thank God. Restaurant Review. The Sierra Restaurant in Lone Tree, Colorado, uh, right off of Ridgegate Parkway and I-25. Eh, a couple blocks west. <laughs> it's basically in the giant Cabela's parking lot there. Right. So, I don't know. I think uh, when I first drove up, it kind of reminded me of the View House. Uh, it has like big bay windows uh, to overlook the uh, scenery. Um, it it almost seemed kind of, you know the way it's designed. Uh, it was definitely set up for scenery. The only problem is when you get actually up there and you sit either like depending on where you sit inside or even on the back patio. Still, it's a great place to sit outside on the back patio. But the only issue is here, if you're trying to sell scenery, you're looking right into the backyards of some, like, really large homes. Um, <laughs> in apartment homes. And, yeah, in apartment homes. Uh, but uh, as far as the – we sat outside, so I, I really can't really comment too much about the inside. The inside, from what I did see, though, seemed kind of open airy, air, uh, seemed open air type of, like, setting. Uh, very uh, – I'll say warm inside. Uh, didn't, I didn't really get like a cold feeling in there. Uh, and the the people or the ambiance seemed fairly lively, which 
is probably a good thing because you know a lot of times you know energy is a thing, right? You can feel the energy in a place, and this this place had a had a good energy to it. Um, the wait staff was great. I thought our waitress was awesome. Uh, she was very prompt. Uh, she was very attentive. Uh, pretty much, she kind of knew what we wanted before we even had to ask for it or anything mm-hmm. like that. So, which was great. So I'm gonna give her. Uh, this is a this. I would say it's kind of like in the mid. This is a mid range restaurant. So I can give her a ten out of ten. I thought she was great. Um, she had great service, and the food. Um, I ordered the uh, chicken fajitas. The chicken was great. It was like marinated really well, uh, cooked to perfection. Uh, it was fabulous. I there's I love their salsa. So I asked for a side <laughs> of salsa to. Uh, put it onto my fajitas because I like the taste of their salsa so much. Um, and uh, the one thing I would say here, the I, I would give the food probably, oh, I want to give it an 8 out of 10. Because I've, I've had, I think I've had better fajitas, especially for the price point. Um. But their fajitas were pretty darn good. <laughs> um, and their chips and salsa, Jesse ordered some chips and salsa. I'm not going to like uh, steal the thunder from that. But the guacamole was good, and, uh, and that's where I tasted the salsa from, and I really enjoyed the salsa. Uh, so the atmosphere, did I do the atmosphere already? No, I didn't. I'm going to give that, like, uh, that's also an eight. So eight for the atmosphere, eight for the food. Uh would I take a date there? Yes. Uh, I think it's a date-worthy place. Would I meet friends there? Yes. I think it's it's uh, you know it's worthy to meet some friends, especially if you're going to sit on the back patio. Um, and uh, overall, I'm going to give it, and I want to, really, if I think about it, I want to give it like an 8.5, but since we don't do half points, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna round it up to a nine. I think it's really good. I, I like the place. I enjoyed it. Um, is it a destination spot? I don't know if it's a destination spot. I'm not really sure because if I'm gonna drive that far anyways, um, I'd probably just drive probably like another 10, 15 minutes and just go to the fort. Because <laughs> like oh like really when you start looking at the pricing of the plates, and if you look at the pricing of the steaks. Um, you're not talking that far off uh, of the price of the fort versus them. Plus, with the fort, they have a much uh, more diverse wine list. So, like here, like their wine list, it takes a huge jump. It's like thirty, sixty, and then one hundred fifty, three hundred dollars <laughs> higher. Uh, so, there's like like an average, it's not really a diverse uh, um, wine list. Uh, yeah, so. Yeah, eight is what I would give it, and uh, they answered all the all the number stuff, right? Yeah. Did I forget anything? I don't think so. Okay. Uh, for me, man, 
driving up to this place at first i was like okay what, what's the goal here is this even the right restaurant uh the name of the restaurant itself is not neon lit or anything it's just delicately infused into its surroundings uh so well done um going in they've definitely got that feel kind of the feel of a fogo de chow with great big doors and door handles um a server or uh, a greeter there right away to take you to your table or let you know where your table is. Um, the service throughout, by and by, I agree with you, service for me was the win of this restaurant, and it was a solid 10. No disappointments anywhere in there. Uh, when we sat, we started with the chips and dips. And with this, just some tortilla chips. I say just, they were really good tortilla chips, along with a side of or a bowl of small bowl guacamole cheese and salsa as noah mentioned the salsa was fantastic the guacamole was great the cheese was really good i enjoyed all of it and when we got to the end and there were still some dips but no chips and the waitress came over she's like uh you want more chips she like read our minds and she you know swiftly quickly promptly brought us more chips uh so that we could finish the dips and that was of course at the same time our meals were coming out as Noah mentioned he had the chicken fajitas he did share a bite of that chicken with me and I don't know about the whole fajita package but as far as fajita chicken fajita meat that was the best I think I've ever had at a restaurant just the meat itself um, I had the crispy chilarellenos and they were also really good um, this is definitely a nice neighborhood where people come to get an appetizer and a drink or an early dinner and a drink. Uh, it, the side of the building we were sitting on is out of the sun, but still gets a breeze and has plenty of sunlight in the happy hours, if you will, 3 to 6 p.m., I thought the atmosphere was really good. I did enjoy the atmosphere. And to your point, Noah, like inside sitting out where those windows were, and it was also cooler because out in the elements, you are just that out in the elements. Uh, that was a great view overall atmosphere uh, nine. And I do believe you're right. The people make a or play a role in the atmosphere of any restaurant. And that is why in the old days, there were restaurants very commonly jacket required, jacket and tie required, no shorts, X, Y, and Z. And what you can risk losing in those instances is just uh, a full atmosphere situation, um, which they still have here. It was a great atmosphere at a nine. Food and drinks, I really enjoyed. Solid eight for all of that, where I would say, uh, and this is just life, this is real, the, the drinks value or the food value ultimately for me played a seven. Um, so overall for me as well, an eight for the total score of the restaurant. Is this a destination? I'm with you right now. It's not something, it's not a place I'm going to go out of my way to go for any of the things we had. 
Um, and I think that's the other part of a destination is you get there and it's got the full package. At least for me, it's got something I know I want. Um, and it's got, uh, it, it checks all of the boxes. This place does not have anything where I'm like, I have got to go back for that. Um, the only thing it has where I say, yeah, I want to meet a friend or go on a date there was the service level. I want other people to experience that great service. Would I go with friends there though? Absolutely. Yes. Uh, would I meet a date there take a date there absolutely yes um and, and again overall it was a solid eight for a mid-range restaurant service was the win smarter challenge this week i was to uh watch the netflix series and do a review of the tv show ratchet 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 yes. Ratchet. Which is based off the nurse Ratchet from One Floor of the Cuckoo's Nest. Yes. Well, man, what are your general thoughts of the series? General thoughts. Um, I used to be a big fan of American Horror Story. Really enjoyed it up until probably last season, which I think was like last year or maybe two years ago. The one where it took place in New York City. Uh, I stopped watching that season. But here's the thing. like Seeing that Sarah Paulson was in here, I liked her acting in, uh, in American Horror Story. There's a couple, there's at least one other actor, maybe two other actors that you see from American Horror Story also in this series. And the way the film, uh, the film, uh, cinematography uh, and the, and the, uh, how they use colors and stuff like that in this. I didn't know who actually wrote this or, or directed this, but the first thing that came to mind was Ryan Murphy. This is a Ryan Murphy uh, production. There's no doubt in my mind. And so then I went to go look it up, and I'm like, yep, Ryan Murphy. Uh, although he did work with somebody else. I think his, uh, the other person's name is Evan, right? Evan Roman, Romance, Romanski or something like that. He's, uh, I think he actually wrote the very first episode, and uh, and that's when uh, Ryan Murphy caught on to him, and then uh, they uh, tag team this series together. Uh, if if my understanding is correctly of how this uh, this came to be, but I really enjoyed it uh, overall. I'm not really sure how it really t totally ties in with uh, <laughs> One Floor of the Cuckoo's Nest because it's supposed to be a prequel. Uh, it is supposed to be two seasons, so maybe that's the reason why I'm not seeing the connection from the end of season one to how she goes from where she's at currently to how she becomes the nurse and one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Like, if you ask me, it could have just ended in season one and one episode earlier. Uh, but we could probably like I could dive into that a little bit later as we go a little bit further into our analysis. But overall, liked it. Didn't like the ending of season one. No. No, and I'll, I'll, I can explain why, but uh, but I do think it's worth the watch. I also enjoyed it. I actually did like the ending where, um, yeah, I actually did like the ending. Too many opens. There's too many, uh, too many <laughs> But I think that's life, is this release of control and letting people know who are going to threaten you that, eh, not if I get you first, or I will get you first. Uh, spoiler alert also, if you haven't seen this show. 
<laughs> Good call. <laughs> I mean, if we're gonna talk about Danny, like whether or not we like, like, what, do you want me to talk about like what I didn't like? Yeah, about? talk about what you didn't like about the ending. Okay, so when I watched it, um, I didn't realize it was supposed to be uh, two seasons. Uh, it's supposed to have two seasons, and the way it ended, right? Because I'm like, she's a nurse, 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 nurse uh, for the first seven episodes. Uh, actually, not even the first seven episodes is she a nurse, but she's still tied in with the hospital for the first seven uh, episodes. Um, and really, when she talks about how she's going to kill her brother, uh, I think that's how it should have ended and have her like, like I think it should have ended with her killing her brother and then staying on at the hospital. And I think that would have been a, a great tie-in to who she is coming into the movie of Wine Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest because she's already did a bunch of terrible and twisted and messed up things uh, up to that point, right? But in episode eight, she's like on vacation or she's like now like living the good life after getting like, I think it was like a million dollars from uh, Sharon Stone's character, which is uh, more Osgood. I don't even think it was a million dollars. I think it was a flat 100,000. Okay, maybe it was 100,000. Yeah, but back then, that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, it's her her female lover and uh, the uh, the, uh, nurse, uh, the head nurse, but Beckett, Bucket. Bucket. Uh, Bucket. Uh, I'll just sit in there basically like dining and like hanging out in the Mex- at Mexico Beach Resort area. And she gets a phone call and it's her brother. She's like, yeah, I know why you're calling. You're going to kill me, but you better watch out. I'm going to kill you. I'm like, how does this have to do with the one floor of the cuckoo's nest? Like, there's no connection here. This is stupid. You should end it in the last episode. I mean. I mean, depending on like how the second season goes, it might be a good tie-in with the way she said, like, you should be afraid of me, not me <laughs> being afraid of you. I mean, that's a good line if depending on how the second season goes. But right now, based off this one season, it should have ended at uh, in, at uh, episode seven with her killing her brother and, and staying on as a demented nurse. I liked the ending. Um, I loved the open doors that are there. And I also love the fact that she's still playing cards ahead of her brother. Um and I think that that's what's going to be really intriguing for the next season. The presumption is whether or not he ever comes after her, she wins because she is later in the uh, Salem uh, psychiatry asylum um, for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah, the whole like I don't know battle between her and her brother to me doesn't really set up like a whole like great prequel backstory for her i think what happened in season one sets up a pretty decent like backstory or origin story for her anyways her not really being a nurse her going around killing people who are suffering and just and also just being a, like a, a malliptive uh biatch <laughs> uh to do anything that that's in her power to get what she wants and uh and here is a weird part i think it shows an odd reflection of our society today with how some women are. I don't think it's just women. I think you're absolutely right. It shows a purview of a piece of society of how many people are, um, how cutting they are, how they are all about manipulating others and lying to whether it's subordinates or bosses or peers to make someone else look bad or good and to manipulate things to get their way. Backstabby. Definitely backstab you, but beyond that, 
she's playing a game of chess that no one else can keep up with in season one. I don't know what happens in season two. Uh, we don't really know um, where this is all lands, but she is playing cards in so many different ways. But the other piece is uh, she adapts quicker than anybody else in the show. When something doesn't go her way, she immediately finds a win. And so for me, it's like, She's just in survival mode, and she's winning. Yeah, but look at her competition, really. <laughs> but that's just it. Back then, you got to consider. Bucket, bucket. What is bucket. Her? Bucket. Yeah, bucket. There's okay. bucket in it. There's a hole in my bucket. Dear nurse, dear nurse. Uh, I thought I put it on here, too. I guess I forgot to put the uh, doctor. But even the doctor, uh, he it wasn't like... He was a strong character either. Like, honestly, if you're talking about, like, some woke issues and stuff like that, you know, you have, like, a strong woman, which is uh, Nurse Ratchet, and kind of like a, like a soy boy for a doctor. I think you're referring to Dr. Hanover. Yes, Dr. Hanover. Um, whose biggest problem is, he's, man, the guy's got issues and he's an addict. Um, and I think there's a lot of reality in this show, too, about abuse. And, man, we believe so much in medicine that was all fake medicine, um, which brings me up to my next question. What were your uh, top two or three favorite scenes in season one? Um, <laughs> let's see. Or the most impactful. Don't even have to be a favorite. They can be like your least favorite, but most impactful. I, you know, I wouldn't say it's, I think her acting was good. Maybe a little bit over the top. Sarah Paulson? No. Oh, uh, I know who you're talking about. Sure, uh, it's Sophia Okanato. Yes. Uh, who plays uh, Charlotte Wells. In the dance and no strings attached. <laughs> Got no strings. Um, she uh, has multiple multiple personalities, and she comes in kind of late. And I think what she does with her character, especially going into like the last few episodes and teaming up with her brother and pretending to be Doctor Hanover and stuff like that, just because she's like so fractured mentally. Um, I think uh, like her character arc and that like that those few short. Uh, episodes where it was was pretty was pretty good. That that was like a a high like I want to say a high point in the series, but I thought that was that was good. I liked it. I enjoyed it. Um, another thing I liked about this series, or that was kind of twisted, is uh, the Osgood's son. Yep, Sharon Stone's son who uh, drugged the doctor. End up cutting off his own arm, and then the doctor ended up cutting off the other arm, I think it was, or something goofy like that, and then tried to sew on two different other uh, arms onto this kid when he was, like, high because of what, the, what, what her son did to the to Dr. Hanover. So I think that whole storyline was kind of messed up, and when you see him, especially at the end, I think uh, perfect uh, justice for him. He thought he was going to get the whole inheritance, and it was given to the monkey, and he was told that he's going to have to go spend time in an insane asylum, which I thought was a, a perfect ending for that particular character. Well, particularly because that's undoubtedly where Ratchet ends up next to. <laughs> I think that's one of the doors I like that is a possibility for being open. Um, 
I guess like uh, I don't know. What, what are some of the ones that you liked? All right, so I got I loved the scene and hated it at the same time. Got no strings. Where Gwendolyn and Edmund are in the abandoned farmhouse, and then the cops come around, and I mean, it literally shows you the difference between real crazy Gwendolyn and just insane um edward or psychotic i guess is probably a better word because she goes out guns a blazing and isn't afraid to get shot to pieces which she does and edward's like i don't want to die <laughs> i don't really want to die i want to live and that is the difference to me about like someone who's truly crazy and someone who's just got some issues or a lot of issues could be small could be big um but yeah, when Gwendolyn just comes out, up, guns a bla- gun a blazing, and she's like, "Yeah, you needed to go. You literally took Edmund to the next level of crazy." So I loved that. I also love the scene you mentioned um, where the monkey gets the money, dude. Priceless. Like, and what's that guy gonna do? No arms. He's, no not arms, going, no legs. he's not going after the monkey. It's right. so messed up, um, but it's real. I did like the ending when they're all sitting there and they get the, well, Ratchet gets the call in Mexico and he's tracked her, Edmund's tracked her down. Um, but another one I really liked was in episode two, um, the ice pick, where she finally oh. gets the priest to confess what they did. And then she's, I'm going to cure you now. Boop. <laughs> which when the doctor did it everything was okay and so it makes it again lots of spoiler alerts here in earlier in the season which is really only two episodes at this point um the doctor hanover is sitting there giving these people basically lobotomies um taking an ice pick either under their eye into their brain or in through their ear into their brain or drilling a hole through their temple trying different things um to make these people who uh, golly like so they're gay and all of a sudden that's that's a, a reason to like that part's kind of messed up like when they boiled them <laughs> oh my god yeah um but the whole lobotomy thing but then when nurse ratchet does it to the priest who had abused her son all of a sudden her brother her brother sorry yeah her brother uh and, he didn't actually abuse he just witnessed like, right yeah. but yeah he didn't do anything about it but then when she uh takes the ice pick to him i'm just like they set that up so well the writers where you don't feel like she did anything wrong uh i i, I think he did because <laughs> like this guy is just an innocent bystander for like the other priest who molested uh edmund edmund's uh, mother so he just happens to be like hiding underneath the bed watching like all the other fellow priests get murdered. He was a, he was an innocent bystander. So really him watching like all the murders and he could implicate Edmund uh, to be the murderer. Uh, that was his folly, I guess, <laughs> uh, which is like really like not even his fault. He, like he was going to keep his mouth shut. He didn't want to talk about anything and Ratchet kind of coerced it out of him. And so he, he's like, all right, this is what I saw. And then she goes, like, all right, now I'm going to make you a vegetable for the rest of your life. Tink, tink. <laughs> like, all wrong. You saw her only for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I thought, I thought that that was pretty great. I did even like, uh, man, when they go into how she's an angel of mercy, 
also really good, whether it was on the battlefield or in other areas. Um, That's up to interpretation too. Right. I agree. I don't disagree there. Um, but it is it is interesting. It is definitely a sick and twisted show. I am not actually saying anything she did was right. I'm just saying what I think the, the writers and then later the directors and producers um, did well was they make these totally terrible things easier to watch. So here's a question. Moralist, uh, morally, I think she's wrong what she's done like i guess one can make a can make a case that she what she did was the morally right thing to do to put a person out of their misery right so the question here is like she sees herself as an angel of death so she's okay she's willing to go kill these people uh when they're suffering nurse bucket tells her the difference between you and i is that i won't do that which makes me a stronger person than you but Here's the real question with Nurse Bucket. She uses Wretched to get what she wants and doesn't turn her in and doesn't say anything about how she kills people. And But she's like, I won't do it because I know it's wrong and I'm a better person than you for not killing these people, but I'm okay if you kill these people. Like, is she really that much better of a person? I don't think so. Well, and that's the point there with the priest uh, underneath the bed seeing everything happen is he is, as a priest, ethically bound to do the right thing, and he did not. And as a doctor or a nurse, um, you are ethically bound to do the right thing, and she did. She didn't, she like would let other people do it, but she herself didn't commit to that. Um, and it's interesting. So she's complicit in the murder, in the, right? which makes her just as bad. Right, but she didn't take the same vows that a priest does in that she um, simply cannot do the harm whereas a priest is supposed to protect all. So, and it's kind of funny though because she does have a justification for it. She's like, I see what you're saying. These people are suffering. And as a health practitioner, we, sh- we want to make sure these people are comfortable and that they're getting better. But if they're not getting better... Is it better to end and show them mercy and put them down? Or do we keep them alive in pain? And there is that whole, I think it's, a, it's, it's definitely a, uh, a line of how one is, how one views himself ethically and morally. Do you agree with putting these people out of their misery? Or do you think it's, right not to do it like murder i would say in most cases is bad but if it's justified like if someone's gonna if someone's gonna shoot you or kill kill your family you shoot the person you kill them it's justified so killing a person in that sense it's it's right so in this but but here we're talking about health care or mental health or people hypocritical oath Yeah, I agree. And what's interesting about that is Bucket did take the oath because she went to school. Uh, I don't think I don't think nurses have to take the oath. I think it's just doctors. Is it? I thought nurses did, but I could be wrong. I could be totally wrong. But so. the point there that I was going to make, true or false, was that Ratchet was not really a nurse. She never took any oath. 
Like she never had to go to school and learn the difference between white, right and wrong in that field. And then it also does bring up interesting questions, like whether or not someone's in pain, if they ask you to put them out of their misery, are you doing right or wrong or are you just doing what they asked? Um, it does get very interesting. Well, that kind of like you think back to like Dr. Kevorkian and the suicide machine that he had and stuff like that. Like I, I know that was like a big thing in the news for a while, like, is what he is what he is doing? Is that morally right or wrong? Is it is he committing murder or is he not? I mean, who knows? Yeah. And most people, I think most doctors now don't even take the Hippocratic oath. They uh, they do some different other oath. Oh really? Yeah, but the Hippocratic oath, like if you look at it, it talks about like a Greek god in there and stuff, like Hermes, like killing you or something like that if you don't do right by all people. Back then, like 1940s, they're still doing that. <laughs> so in the series, yeah, that works. The one thing I do like about this series, too, I, I forgot to mention, and it's not like a particular scene or a particular person, uh, I guess it re revolves around Nurse Ratchet, is I really enjoyed her outfits. I think the way, like, like the, the colors that they use and the outfits that they use, especially with uh, Sir Sarah Paulson's uh, character, I really thought that was pretty great. I liked that. I enjoyed it. 100% agree. I also thought it was interesting, though, how they showed Sarah Paulson, Nurse Ratched, or just Ratched, not afraid to, like, there was no law she was not willing to break to get to her final destination or her destination that day, including stealing those clothes. Yep. Um, <coughs> it's a little hot. 55.5% ABV. I did not realize that that was Sharon Stone's character at first. I didn't know that was Sharon Stone. I was surprised it was, but... Uh, Which is Lamar Osgood, by the way. Yeah. Who wanted Hanover's head. Yes. Um, for good reason, right? Yeah. A totally messed up story. Chopped off the, her son's, son's arm, legs. Arms. Oh, yeah, arms first. Yeah, and then he legs. then became septic, and so then he had to get his legs amputated. <laughs> yeah, because the son was all high and wanted his arms replaced by the gardener's arms outside. Like, what are you thinking? And then he does it, though, knowing it won't work. <laughs> Idiot. Man, stupid. But, um, yeah, good comeback for Sharon Stone in my mind. She played that role very well. The thing I thought was most interesting knowing Sharon Stone's uh, life is that I bet Sharon Stone literally lives like that. <laughs> <laughs> well to do, goes into a place, doesn't matter if it's a hotel, an apartment, whatever, I am redoing this to suit me. <laughs> you know who else I thought did a great job is Judy Davis as Nurse Bucket. Like, the way her mannerisms were and how she, like, her, the way she acted her character, I thought she did a great job as well. Yeah, there was a lot of great acting. I, man, the one I just, I think that it was intentional. I couldn't stand Edmonds, the brother. I literally couldn't stand that guy. I'm like, please just kill this guy. <laughs> really? I thought the governor was, like, the worst guy. It was the worst character. He was definitely the biggest douchebag. But as far as, like, annoying actors... Edmonds did his job well. Yeah, I think uh, like his character there reminds me of like his character in uh, in American Horror Story, 
where he plays like a uh, like a rich guy, but he's kind of like all demented like that. Um, it's the one with the uh, the uh, car. I think it's called Carnival with a funny face as like the messed up looking clown in American Horror Story. That one. I think you you talked about that one, right? Yeah. All right, anything else that you want to talk about this particular series? No, just the wrap-up is it was very interesting and intriguing to watch, but definitely dark and twisted as well. I don't know where their ultimate goal is. I think one of the things that after watching an episode made me want to finish a season was watching Squid Game and thinking about <laughs> morals and ethics based on that movie and how do they play into something like this. And it really is interesting to me that we all, or not all of us, uh, but some have codes and live by those codes. Others do not. And this movie, good, bad, right, wrong, or otherwise, all of the strong characters live by a code. Yeah, they do live by a code. Um, it's, I do think it's definitely worth the watch, especially if you like what you mentioned here about bringing some of the moralistic uh, and code stuff. But for me... I, you know, it's a little bit, it's dark. It definitely is a dark show. I think if you're kind of a fan of cinematography and, and uh, sets and stuff like that, I think they do a really great job with how they set up each scene, the colors that they have in there, the whole cinematography. The, uh, I'm not sure exactly uh, what film shutter that they used or whatever, but I loved it. I thought like it's worth the, it's worth the watch just because of the cinematography. The storyline's good too, except for I hate I didn't like episode eight, but but that's really episode eight is not so much a closure of season one as it is a bridge to season two. So because it's a bridge, it's kind of hard for me to really judge that episode. And that's why I think you could do without it because I think this could really just been a one see one. A one season special release, but you know, another one of those interesting things though is where she goes and has sex with that guy, and he's like, "You're the worst sex I've ever had in my life." And then she gets him back in there and gets him to say the opposite, and then ends him. <laughs> that she does. <laughs> all right. Well, that is all I had for episode one hundred twenty-two, Smarter Challenge, Nurse Ratched, season one. Yeah, it's a fun ride. Definitely was a fun ride to watch. Uh, this next one here uh, for upcoming, I guess, since I didn't think about anything else uh, between now and uh, the drive home and when we started this, uh, we'll do a movie review of Sound of Freedom. Uh, so, yeah, that's about uh, the whole, like, ongoing uh, child trafficking stuff that's uh, – uh, been in the news recently and uh, so yeah we'll do a movie review of that for all of you uh it comes out uh tonight but technically it's july 4th that it comes out and uh the scotch uh i slacked this week i didn't pick out a new scotch yet so we'll have a scotch for you guys next week all right uh that's all i oh thanks for everyone who watches us uh, uh youtube and rumble please like uh, share and leave some comments down below. Hit that subscribe button. That says we are trying to get to a thousand uh, subscribers. Also, if you want to become a patron member, please hit the the patron uh, link down below. All the money that you guys uh, donate to us, we put back into our show uh, with all the different uh, scotches that you see behind me or Jesse and 
So that way we can bring you guys new scotches every week as well as new reviews of restaurants every week. And also thank you to all of you who listen to us on the uh, many uh, podcast platforms as well. We greatly appreciate that. All right. And with that, remember, life is great. That doesn't mean it's always easy, but keep fighting your good fight. Um, Remember to drink responsibly. Do not drink and drive. Um, Reach out to friends. Share great times. Remember, it's all about an experience. And beyond that, until next week, same Scotch time, same Scotch channel. Scotchman! Cheers. Cheers. We hope you enjoyed this evening's episode of Scotch Hour. If you did, please like, share, and subscribe. Also, if you have not done so already, please become a patron member with memberships starting as low as $1 a month. Thank you, and hopefully you have a wonderful evening.